0: Smokes, it is yet another fine, fantastic, fluent
1: <laughs> oh, no. episode of
0: The Cultured <laughs> Guitarist. <laughs> My name is Alluring Al. Oh boy. With me, as ever, Creative Casper. You're liking that one, aren't it's you? It's okay. We
2: kind of like it's that It's okay. One. It wasn't insulting, so it's good. I can see the light in your eyes.
0: <laughs> and we have with us somebody uh, I'm really excited to have on the show. Doggone Drew Walsh from Walsh Guitars. (laughs) Doggone. Hey, what's up? (laughs) Doggone. Yeah. We did say there were terrible nicknames, right? Mm.
3: (laughs) They're not good either, but...
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. That's hurtful. All right. Now (laughs) I guess we're starting off on a hurtful note. (laughs) Drew, man, I'm so stoked to have you on the show. Dude, uh, I think every time you post a guitar, I post something to the effect of... Uh, extreme lust swoon uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> on there awesome. especially when you post uh some of your uh, metal flakes uh yeah ones that's oh you really you really grabbed me there man stoked to have you awesome buddy. thanks man it's good to be here <laughs> well i think uh you might be the record for the american guest closest to us
3: that's right, because you guys are you guys are in the Pacific Northwest as well, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah although we call it the Lower Mainland because in Canada we're in the bottom. Yeah, yep. Well, we're not at the Lower Mainland. Whereabouts are you?
3: Uh well, I'm in Eastern Washington, so like the Wine Country. Yeah. Areas. Oh, you yeah. Got... Like
0: right, right below the same desert that he's runs yeah, yeah. his areas where we are. Hmm. Interesting. So we're at the north end of uh, <clears throat> here in the desert, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yep, yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're at the very north end of that, the Okanagan Valley Desert.
2: Yeah, so if you crossed nice. over in uh I think Orville. Is it Orville? Mm-hmm. That would give be kind of a straight shot to yeah. us. Interesting. So okay,
3: you, yeah, you guys are close. Yeah, we're hmm.
2: very close. Maybe when the border's open we can go grab a coffee and like <laughs> a Suyus or Orville or something. Yeah. <laughs>
3: there we go. Share a bottle of wine or something. I there don't you go. Know. Yeah, yeah,
2: I like it. Yeah. Um I'll I'll
0: trade you Okanagan wine once a week. For next three years. Uh,
3: <laughs> That's a dangerous offer. Right? <laughs> That's actually an offer I might take you up on. Oh, uh, hey, hey. Hello.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk after. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Right on.
0: Uh, once this comes out, you're going to give it 150 other offers. Yep. I'll sell yeah. you booze for a year. <laughs> well, we, let's, uh, let's kick it off the way we usually do. We'll start off with... Uh, the ye old what's been up this week, and I'm gonna start it. I like that because I never start it.
2: No, you just don't want me to give you that delayed. Oh, how about you, Al? You,
0: well, you got to switch things up. And nah. either way, I'm gonna start it. So this is happening. <clears throat> um, I I just you know it, it feels wrong. I, I have that like talk about others before you talk about yourself, like training drilled into me by my parents. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. I think that's what it is. But uh, I. What's well, been a, going on for you this week, huh? Yeah, oh my gosh, I'm going to slap you. <laughs> you Too you can't reach slap me. slap <laughs> you. I have a cane beside me, You'd... sir. I'll poke you in the eye. Mm. Um, so this week I've been spending a lot of time, uh, I was talking with our buddy Dan from uh, Moore Guitars mm-hmm. about uh, pickups and such, and uh, spent a lot of time um, talking to some companies about wiring looms, cool and that kind of thing. Haven't been doing a whole lot of playing, but I have sat down with the uh, Kronbauer jazz box that i have and i've uh, been playing that a little bit and um realizing that i'm never going to do that guitar justice because i play jazz the way a seal runs the dakar rally <laughs> yes which is to say i just sort of lay there and die <laughs> it's a great mental picture. that
2: is a fantastic <laughs> mental picture yeah <laughs>
0: So that's kind of what I've been up to this week, guitar and or music-wise. Let's kick it over to Drew. What have you been up to this week, man?
3: Ah, well, I'm kind of in the painting stages for, let's see, there's like five or six different guitars that I'm doing bursts on. And the way that my booth is set up, I kind of have to do the stuff that's getting transparent finishes first, because as soon as I move on to metallic and metal flake, it just looks like a unicorn threw up everywhere. So, like... So this, <laughs> Go on. This one, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty bad. So, like, I, I have to focus on the burst stuff. So I kind of got that done. And then the last two days, nonstop, eight hours each day, has been spent on fine line tape uh, for the rest of the guitars that are either getting metallic finishes or metal flake finishes. So... Pretty tedious
0: stuff. Ah, uh, I love that stuff, man. I'm, I'm excited. I, in my, uh, in my past, I was a painter for a lot of years, and so I nice. have a strong appreciation for the the process and stuff. And also, I have a strong. Uh Lust I, I crush, for unicorn puke? Crush for, yeah, anything like <laughs> Alec and Sparkly. Basically, yeah. 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 If, I, if I were a teenage girl, my posters on the wall would not be like Jonathan Taylor Thomas or Nick no. Jonas or whoever. No. I don't know
2: who girls put on posters on walls anymore. I don't think they do you, that d- at you all You definitely anymore. just lo- outline I know. Like how old you are.
0: I'm an old guy. Yeah, what do you <clears throat> want from me? Um, but my, my posters would just be like sparkly crap, just sparkly guitars and mm-hmm. sparkly... Uh, Old sparkly cars, and motorcycles,
3: all sparkly. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much anything like hot rodded on a guitar to a car is the best.
0: Yeah, yeah, sweet. So you were uh you're doing paint stuff, you're doing fine line stuff. That's got to keep you pretty busy.
3: Yeah, well, especially the fine line tape work. It's it's just it's pretty brutal. Any little line mishap is is pretty unforgiving. So takes a lot of time. It's really tedious, but you know, if I invest on the the front and the back end, is always worth it. So,
0: small work now, save big work later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Right on. Well, Casper, I don't want to talk about your week. Uh-huh. So, Drew, let's. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, buddy. I know yeah. you got some stuff you want to talk about. Let's. Uh, what you been up to?
2: I don't want to talk about it anymore. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, oh,
0: okay. like a brick to your skull so
2: uh uh as i said i don't know how long ago i i ordered these things but i i got in um the pedal kits that i ordered from germany um there was a range master and an optic tremolo and uh, so i spent uh, a couple hours on my last day off of work putting the range master together um and i'm going to be honest it didn't work the first time um because well, I don't really know what I'm doing, and uh, I had to engage the assistance of a, of a of a smarter person. So I chose a rocket scientist, and uh, James from Lauren Audio gave me a hand. Uh, exactly the son, so the, the child. Yeah, well, you know he's he shares the intelligence, the IQ, and all that. So you be quiet. He's a rocket scientist in my mind. Um, he's a very smart guy, and uh, was helping me out trying to troubleshoot what I'd done wrong. Um. I actually figured it out all by myself. Uh, that I am just an idiot and didn't read, so uh, it does work now. Uh, it is in front of Al. I built a Range Master type circuit. Um, it makes Range Master type sounds, and uh, yeah, it's a cool little pedal. It's in a blank box and it's nothing fancy, but it's very cool, very very fun. Uh, nice. it's in a blank canvas awaiting your <laughs> killer. <artwork. laughs> I knew you were gonna say something to that effect. Um,
0: I think something in the way of
2: metal flake mm. spark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no. Well, you know what, Al? You can have that one. No, I'm not i I'm not kidding. It's yours. You're giving me a pedal? Yeah, man. We well, just made this.
0: Yeah, I know. You don't want to
2: play it? I got one. Well, thanks, buddy. Yeah. All so right. you can paint that however you want. And uh, we'll find yeah. a knob for it, because I didn't order any knobs. But That's that's cool, man. So, well, Rangemaster Treble Boost. There you go. I think that's the first, uh, maybe not the first time I've
0: gotten a free pedal on air from someone, but... That's the first time I've ever given you a pedal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look at that. I feel bad for threatening to
2: throw it at your head. Mm, well, you know, there's that. <laughs> <It's> a modicum <laughs> it, of guilt. It's funny. I was actually, I ordered them long before... Christmas, hoping that it would be here before Christmas, so that I could give it to you for Christmas. Oh, but so that was the intention for that pedal right from the beginning. You big gooey-hearted guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, <laughs> it, it's it's nifty. I like it. Um, and it's the the very first of hopefully many that uh, I'm going to build. Well, I wish you luck, sir. Yeah, I'm almost yeah. finished the optic tremolo. I did it this morning. Okay. Just wiring up the pots and everything. That's
0: the reason I thought you did the optic Tremolo alone, not the range master. I don't know where I got my head
2: screwed. I told that. you I was going to do that first, and then okay. realized how much simpler that one was. <laughs> <laughs> so I did that instead. Well, this is cool. I didn't have a range master pedal
0: I know before, so that's, I know. Now I
2: got one. Now you got one. That's what I've been up to. Right on. That's yeah. pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I think so. So, uh, so, so now you're, are you launching a pedal brand or are we, no,
2: no, are we think of pedal I, names or, I mean, you can try, give her the range later. No, no. Oh, oh man, that <laughs> was good. Um, you know, eventually maybe down the road when I actually learn some things and know some stuff, maybe there'll be a, you know, I'll start doing that type of stuff. But right now I just want to learn, do it as a, as a learning experience and really just do something new. Yeah. Fair enough. Know?
0: Fair enough. Well let's kick it over to the man of the hour. Um and I've uh listened to you before. I think I was on the guitar knobs, I heard you uh um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I kinda have an inkling of this, but you know, for for our listeners who may not have heard it, uh, you know, give us a give us the brief origin story of, of uh Drew Walsh and Walsh guitars.
3: Yeah. Well let's see. Um I mean I've been playing guitar for uh Gosh, almost thirty years now. But in two thousand nine, I was gifted what I thought was a super cheap uh, Fender Strat. Is actually ended up finding out later on that it was one of those golden year Squires that was actually made for that short while in Japan. Didn't I, you have uh, one of
2: those?
0: I though? had one of those as well. Also, how yeah. How, how much did you sell it for? Not what i should have (laughs) yeah
3: also yeah because they're great guitars like killer guitars
0: yeah when i when i got it i'd been playing guitar like not even a year and uh i knew fender usa was like ooh Mm -hmm. but fender squire series made in japan i didn't understand there was a value there (laughs) i thought it was a cheap junkie guitar yeah well so
3: i was i was gifted this guitar uh by my my brother-in-law, and he gave it to me because he thought it was a piece of junk. I thought it was a piece of junk. But I used that guitar as kind of like my launchpad into figuring out how to rewire, how to take it apart, and then like reassemble new and better parts and all that kind of thing. So that guitar was kind of the launchpad into just learning all the ins and outs of a guitar. Ended up totally hot-rodding that thing. Ended up uh, actually ended up selling it for still not what it was actually worth, but I thought it was awesome that I made money. But it really was just a really great learning experience. And from that guitar, ended up figuring out, hey, like I can I can do the whole assembly thing. I can figure out. I know I have yeah you know, basic soldering skills, so I could I could get away with it. And I I did that from probably two thousand nine to. I don't know, somewhere in 2010, 2011 was kind of my first real deep dive into trying to build the body. But at that point, I was still, you know, sourcing a pre-made neck and I was using anything from, you know, like Warmouth to uh, USA Custom Guitar Next. To, I mean, you know, you name it. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, I did that for probably like another two years or so. And then 2014 is when I really just decided I'm not going to be doing Tele and Strat copies anymore. Like I I need to start focusing on my own original designs. Uh, And then I just kind of made the full-on commitment to to make everything in-house. Yeah. And then from there, it's just kind of like, the slow progression and taking on new skills. I was trained. Uh, I was My family and I lived for a short while in Tallahassee, Florida. And while we lived there, uh, a good friend of mine, he did auto refinishing. Uh, and so he ended up giving me a full training in how to do you know, professional style finishes. And he did a lot of metal flake and metallic and a lot of fine line work. And so from him, that's where I gained all that experience. And that was, that was probably around the 2012, 2013 mark. And, uh, kind of kicked off just that whole new beginning of like fascination and obsession with, with automotive style finishing and trying to translate that into guitar work. Cause there's not a whole lot of guys who, who kind of give that emphasis to guitar work. Um, Yeah, so it's just been kind of like a slow process of figuring out my fingerprint and how I can try to offer something that's familiar in a vintage sort of way, but still has its own unique flavor. So Mm -hmm. that's that's just a real, obviously a real quick, brief synopsis. But yeah,
0: oh, you nail that vibe, man! Because all of your all of your guitars are one hundred percent unique, but they, you know. everything feels familiar. Awesome. And, and none of the finishes are so outlandish that you're like, but they're not finishes you see on a lot of other guitars. You're, you're really straddling some lines and combining some features to create a whole unique batch of things, which is not the easiest thing to do when uh, you've got an instrument that's got a century of uh, mm-hmm. the same geometry under its belt. Mm-hmm. And, you know,
1: Yeah.
0: 70 years of solid body and electric guitar design have really, you know, narrowed the common feature set to what people like. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's not a lot of varying from that without people going, nope. That's yeah.
2: super deep, hell. Yeah. You know,
3: <laughs> <really>. <laughs> but, you know, it's true, though. It's funny because guitarists are... I feel like guitarists kind of fall into a couple different camps. There's either the highly traditionalist camp where they... It's almost like, to them, the formula was perfected back in 1959, and there's really not much to improve upon. And then you get some guys who are all the way to the far extreme who are more like... You know, like I, I think of, like, Kiesel guitars, you know? Like, how they're, they've kind of gone to this other, more modern, far extreme. Um, it's interesting. And it's just, they're, they're,
0: yeah. Kiesel's an interesting brand, hey? How they've really, like kind of come back from the brink of, mm-hmm. of like nobody wanted to touch Carvin. kind of at the end of the use of the Carvin name yep um and all of a sudden as kiesel they've really come alive and all in the modern styles of music too like prog world and metal and stuff mm-hmm. they're just killing it
3: yeah and it seems like they kind of came out of nowhere i feel like uh you know i almost feel like ormsby i don't know if you guys are familiar of ormsby yeah, guitars I know, ormsby
0: or australian yeah
3: yeah yeah i i almost feel like he kind of like started a bit of that wave uh with because i i look at kiesel guitars and they have a a very strong ormsby sort of vibe to them and i don't know which one's the chicken and the egg but i'd like to think ormsby was the one who started it off
0: well i think (laughs) i mean kiesel was doing the direct to customer thing for a long time because they're you know they were carving before that and yeah and uh you know, so they've got, I mean, they've been a brand for like 70 years or something like that. It's, it's They're quite old. Um, But Ormsby came along and really flipped the market on its head with, uh, you know, they, there was a convergence, I think. There was a whole bunch of brands mm-hmm. that were kind of all doing the multi-scale, extended range thing all at once. Um, and Ormsby was one of the ones that really kind of pushed it all into the forefront. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think Carvin slash Kiesel... Um, I should just start saying just Kiesel now, because I think everybody just knows them as Kiesel. But I think they yeah. wisely um, saw what was going on and, and and realizing before that a lot of their bread and butter was stuff like the Jason Becker stuff or Alan Holtz. Mm-hmm. At best, it was modern takes on traditional stuff, but they weren't really, you know, they weren't crushing it with the Strat and Telly crowd. Yeah. So I think they kind of wisely leaned into the like, well... Progressive is where our market is, so Kiesel's, uh, Kiesel became what Kiesel is now.
3: Yeah. Yeah, and I agree. I think they they played into their market really well. Yeah. Yeah. In, interesting so I, story, yeah. Sorry. Cool. Keep going. Yeah. No, yeah. So I was just thinking, like, those are kind of your two camps. You got, like, the super modernist, and then you got the vintage guy. But then there's this really wide middle ground where there are some people – are kind of targeting it but and i think that actually is is an area in which boutique builders are starting to see like there's this there's this niche area that we can kind of somehow find the need that's in between it um and there are some really awesome awesome builders out there doing that so yeah
0: well i think uh you are are in that niche because you're doing everything from like lightly relic bodies and shapes that we've never seen before with features that you would might see on like a Framist and a Hagstrom mm-hmm. and a Gibson all combined in this really unique thing and then you have like a bolt-on neck which is like a fender thing um, so you're in there with like companies like Fano or Novo um, where you're combining a lot of modern things and a lot of vintage things and just doing this whole unique thing um, or Prisma, brands like I think you mm-hmm. you're pushing progression in a way that isn't fan fret and nine string.
3: Yeah. Well, that I mean, that means a lot just cause I mean, Dennis Fandos, uh, you know, I mean, he's, he's a huge, huge artist in the guitar world. So that's, yeah. I mean him. And I think of, uh, uh, Cole guitars, you know, I mean, these are guys who have been in the industry, for decades and they've been trendsetters. Um, so, I mean, I find them as kind of even my own personal inspiration when it's taking vintage designs and how can I put a flair onto it? Like those guys do because they really, I mean, they know what they're doing. They're awesome.
0: I I would say the same about you, man. I think you're, I would, I, I would line any one of those guys up against the wall and and I'll bet you they would all say the same thing about you.
3: I appreciate that. It's awesome. I
0: don't know why I said line them up against the (laughs) wall. That sounds like something you do to someone at gunpoint.
3: (laughs) It sounded a bit extreme. you
0: you do that, they're
2: they're likely to say anything.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I would take them out for a friendly beer and ask them their opinions.
1: (laughs) Uh, That's great. (laughs) Uh,
0: So the first one, the first, like, official Walsh, was that the uh, telly?
3: telly Yeah, so. I I should say. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, when I first started kind of doing the assembling back in 2011, the telly is really what I focused on. I, I did a few strats, but I've never been much of a strat guy. Um, and as someone who is just diving into assembly, a strat is like significantly more involved than a telly. Um, and so, yeah, the telly is kind of where I gave a lot of my attention. Um And was able to somehow miraculously get a guitar into some really great players' hands. Um, And then, yeah, so from there, from a telly, I kind of did some like less ball style guitars a couple times. And uh, I I feel like that never gained as much traction as it did with the, the Fender style camp of people. So I ended up kind of putting most of my focus. Uh, into the fender style so like most of my guitars have the, the bolt necks and 25 and a half inch um, although lately I've been kind of mixing that up um, but my first really original uh, model that I focused on was the Bethel uh, and that was a set neck but it was still 25 and a half inch scale so it's kind of almost like a, a hybrid of some of my favorite Fender style things matched up with some of my favorite Gibson style stuff. So the
0: 25 and a half in scale, was that because it appealed to like the Fender's taste or because you like the scale length itself better?
3: Kind of a bit of both. Um, so, so that model is almost always, unless someone custom orders it differently, it's almost always mahogany the mahogany set neck, maple top. And so that kind of all automatically you're thinking Les Paul, Um, And with the Les Paul, there's just kind of this uh, looseness to the strings, a bit of a chewy tone. Um, And what I was hoping to bring to it was those similar tone woods, but matched with the tightness and the compression and the clarity twang of like a Fender. And that it was more, uh, honestly, it was more curiosity than it was. Intentional design. <laughs> if I'm being just totally honest, um, but I, I've I've really grown to like the 25 and a half inch on the set neck. It's uh, it, it's just different. It's very different.
0: It does seem to hold tune better, to my uh, feel and ears, uh, especially with like lighter strings.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Well, there's certainly more string tension as well, and so there there's some major benefits to that. So,
0: yep. So, you you do still work with like 24 and three quarter, or have you come uh-huh. straight away from that?
3: Yeah, no. So, I do. It's always custom order. Most of my guitars are at least as prototypes, they're typically uh, 25 and a half inch, but I do a 24 and three quarter, and then I also do short scale of 24 inch. Um, but again, those are usually yeah. almost always just as a custom order but
0: yeah yeah i think uh i think i've only ever played like a couple of short scale guitars and they were like 20 inch or like more for kids and stuff then.
3: oh yeah like more student style yeah. guitars What do you, yeah. what is the
0: what is the advantage of like a 24 inch because that's only a three quarters of an inch difference than a gibson scale
3: yeah, uh, I mean, but you think about it, a 20, 24 and 3 quarter to 25 and a half, that's also a 3 quarter inch difference. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and there really is a big difference in playability. Uh, and, and really, it's kind of just if you imagine the difference from 24 and 3 quarter to 25 and a half, uh, there is that tightness in the strings. There's a little bit more stability. Uh, the strings may not be as quickly and as easily bendable as they are on a 24 and three quarter. Now, if you translate that down another three quarters inch, the strings are pretty slinky on a 24 inch uh, scale. There's going to be a little bit more looseness in the tone. It's not going to be as quickly compressing as like a 25 and a half inch or even 24 and three quarter. Um, So if you kind of, Imagine, like, Mustangs or Duosonics, a lot of those were, like, 24-inch. Mm. Um, and so it's kind of taking some of that, like, looseness and vintage vibe. Um, and I typically use a 24-inch neck uh, when it's a custom order. It's usually applied toward, like, a smaller body instrument, like my Doxa or something like that.
0: Mm. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just I should have had something clever to say back, but I'm just absorbing information here. Casper's <laughs> yeah. been quiet for like 5 minutes.
2: <laughs> Plus, every word you you say like this and that, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go you fi- <laughs> know, find <laughs> it. I got to I got to know what that what you're talking about. How I, many
0: Google tabs you got open over there? Just <laughs> shut up. <laughs> A lot. Uh, I have I have
2: two Safari windows going here. Yeah. <laughs> uh well <laughs> i gotta
0: say man following you on instagram has been like one of the highlights of my instagram life. life uh, um, thank you everything you post is just pure eye candy man well thank you it's awesome so what was the uh like so i'm looking at some of this stuff man and, and i just like i don't think like this like i would never think to combine some of these features um like where do these where where do your ideas come from where do your body shapes come from like you know i can mm-hmm. i can look at like i can look at some and i can see like okay that looks vaguely like a non-reverse firebird and i get where that one came from but then you add like a german carve around the entire uh outline of the body and it just takes it into this whole new place um you know what what's the inspiration behind this man how did you come up with these designs
3: yeah, well, so if, if we're kind of just looking at some of the designs, um, so the Bethel, and once I say it, you'll probably be able to picture it, but the Bethel was actually inspired by a vintage Epiphone coronet, um, or it actually own one of these. It's one of my all-time favorite instruments, is the Epiphone Crestwood Custom, um, one of my all-time favorite instruments. And so I kind of took the Crestwood Custom, I elongated it a little bit. I made it slightly offset in the waist. Uh, the horns are ever so slightly different because usually coronets are, are pretty symmetrical at the horns. Uh, but then I, I took one of my favorite features, which is the the oval inlays, the batwing headstock, um, the tilt back headstock, that kind of thing, and I kind of just mashed it up with a kind of my my leaning. Which is always kind of more offset, um, so that's kind of where that one came from. The Nesher, like you said, is it's kind of Firebirdish, like a non-reverse Firebird. It's kind it, there's like almost some European influence there because of the German carve, um, and so a lot of my a lot of my inspiration comes from. I own a fair amount of like vintage Japanese guitars, a fair amount of like, I, I have some Hoffners, some Coppers, uh, Echoes, uh, Wanderers. Um, and so like, there's all these just really weird, weird instruments that were made in the sixties. And those just really get me fired up and they take my mind to, to crazy places. <laughs> and, <laughs> And, and, and i mean that's kind of the beauty of those instruments i mean like some of those italian guitars like are using leftover accordion parts and they're just so wild and wacky but there's a a lovability and a quirkiness to them they they never worked well they most of them didn't sound very good or they definitely didn't play well um and so <laughs> as as i look at those instruments i'm like man how can i how can I take some of the the cool factor of that and, and interject it in a way that's repeatable with good quality that is original, but still kind of harkens back to, to what, you know, started it all for that particular guitar. Um, yeah. And so that's kind of what I'm always trying to straddle that line. So you'll see, like, there's a lot of guitars that are slightly tysco esque um, yeah, just a lot of a lot of weird <laughs> mashup of influences
0: there. Yeah, uh, I think uh, that's what I mean. Like it's it's you know, we I think um you know, I hate to, to harken back to another brand when I'm talking to you about yours. No, yeah. Um, you know, Dennis Fano kind of uh awakened everybody the idea of like the great guitar giants of the fifties kind of all collaborating together and making these like hodgepodge guitars and with, uh, with Fano guitars, which, mm-hmm. you know, kind of created its own kind of thing for a while. And then he, uh, you know, sold that and started Novo guitars. Um, mm-hmm. but it seemed like nobody really had the idea to get outside of America and start combining features from companies like Tysco or Wandra or mm-hmm. Italia and stuff like you were deep diving, my friend. Um, like how many Americans even know the name it that, that that brand did not make <laughs> yeah. much of an impact in North America at all. It's uh, you go yeah. over to Europe and people know it with and they recall it fondly. Mm-hmm. But I feel like uh I feel like here it's a bit, uh, much less an impact from from that brand back in the day. And same with Tysco. Like Tysco had some impact here, and there's, you know, pockets of folks like Casper and myself that have like. Huge love for stupid 60s Japanese guitars that may or may not be Mm -hmm. crap or great. (laughs) Yeah. And and then you got the the bulk of guitarists in North America who, um, if they're they're keen to those brands, they aren't super into them. Um, Yeah. They just kind of are aware of them. And that mostly has something to do with the fact that they imported them by the hundreds and they cost you like 10 bucks.
3: Mm. Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, and I mean, even as I'm just looking at the the lineup of my guitars, like there's a lot of you said there's names that people just don't know, period, or they just don't recognize. They they might know the name, but they could never tell you, oh, that's you know a wanderer or something like that. But another one that I uh, I just recently got is a Hop. I don't know if you've heard of Hop H O P F, Um, but it's a German. Yeah, it's a German company and they were like decently big in the 60s and 70s in, in Germany. But like, so my Yada is actually one of my favorite hop designs meets Tysko. Um And I feel like, you know, what's funny about Tysco's is like you got some guys like the White Stripes and some other like indie rock bands that have kind of brought back TySco a little bit. Um, and it's almost kind of like, it's almost like indie hipster cool to like, like gold foils and Tyscos and that kind of thing. Oh, so there's,
0: there's nothing more hip in the world right now than gold foils. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's using those things. And if they're not actual gold foils, they look like gold foils.
1: That's
3: exactly. Yeah. And so there's like a lot of companies like that, um, that I think there is going to be a resurgence of at least appreciation of the, the silhouette and what they intended to functionally do although they don't always <laughs> execute their function well um but R- yeah.
2: rarely even <laughs> yeah
3: exactly'
2: it's actually I was just uh, admiring that gu- the guitar on your website the yada uh, mm. thinking about the Tysco influence and the the and that's got to be a uh, finished line work like the the taping and everything that you've separated the the one, the main one on the website anyways, it's gray and some kind of red. <laughs> yeah. I am colorblind. Are, are you oh.
0: under the Yada section there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you got like a baby blue top and a mahogany.
3: Is that baby blue? Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. I don't see Yeah. Sorry. You're talking about maybe like the Mossport green. There's one that's a uh, more, Oh yeah. So yeah, you're looking at, uh, the Mossport green goes into the German carves. Yep. Ah, okay. yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so that yeah again, that's like fine line work, like you just said. That's a yeah.
0: clever spot to do your 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 fine tape line there. Yeah, yeah, right in the middle of that car. I
2: I think it, it lends to the the uh, like the look like an old like airstream or one of the Air, mm. airline guitars. How they had the plastic, airline guitars, yeah. but the airlines had that white line. Mm-hmm. It it, mm-hmm. it kind of makes you think that. Obviously, this isn't that, and it doesn't yeah. have a plastic top. But <laughs> it, it kind of gives you that that hot rod look. Um, yeah. And I'm. I'm just. Yeah. I've been actually scrolling up and down this page for the last few minutes, going, man, I like this a lot. <laughs> 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 yeah. No, that's cool, that's man. And, and yeah, it, it it gives you all that that kind of the Japanese oddity kind of yeah. look, but in something fresh and new, but old and familiar. I, you're you're killing it at that aspect, man. I, I'm. Thanks. Yeah.
3: Awesome. Yeah, and. So, you kind of said, like, where am I getting inspiration from? Like, most recently, I just bought a, uh, a Gaia Tone Spectrum. Oh. Uh, yeah. And yeah. so, you know, what those a, are like. Fun
0: guitar, man.
3: Yeah. And so, you know, those are like weirdly offset. Like, it, it doesn't even make sense how offset that guitar is. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I just bought one of those and, uh, it's totally disassembled because it wasn't even playable. Um, but I'm, I'm really excited to kind of take that thing apart. I, I You guys are getting an inside scoop because I haven't even told anyone this, but I plan on taking kind of my favorite things about that guitar and trying to figure out how can I retranslate that uh, into something uh, more my style. So that's what I'm in the middle of doing uh, <laughs> that's in, in, amazing. In, in between orders.
0: <laughs> well, you've kind of, you've kind of flirted with that uh, ground a little bit with, uh, Oh man, I'm going to say this name wrong. The said,
3: yeah, the said, uh, huh.
0: Oh yeah. Like it seems like you kind of went towards that totally. spectrum four, spectrum five kind of territory right there.
3: Yeah, no, for sure. And that was, that one I was actually, I never actually got it into his hands, but, Um, that one was actually, I was not commissioned, but I was asked by Mason Stoops if I would consider redesigning that spectrum, uh, the Tysco spectrum. And, and so that's why I even tackled that one because that guitar is a bear of a guitar. And it's always like, it's like a, a, a slight moment of excitement and panic every single time someone places an order for that guitar. (laughs) because it's like there's so much electronic work that goes into it um that i'm it's just truly one of those guitars you mail it out and you're crossing your fingers and saying (laughs) saying every prayer that you know and hoping it it arrives safely yeah there's there's a there's a lot
0: of switches and a lot of pickups going on on that thing and then yeah uh, yeah i've done some complicated wiring jobs in in the in some guitars of my past and uh i hate it <laughs> every single yeah. time i just i don't want to stray from the 50s wiring diagrams because i just want to keep it simple and i don't want it to <laughs> yeah
3: yeah well and honestly most people if they actually want that wiring it's it's because they don't actually plan on using it live <laughs> and, I, and, and i'm totally like killing any like future sales on that guitar right now but like, it, it really is not intended to be the most functionally easy-to-use live guitar. It, it's great in the studio, because you can get pretty much any sound you want. But, you know, I mean, you, you have six switches, 36 pickup combinations, plus a, yeah. a treble contour <laughs> and the bass contour knob. I mean, it's just it's too much. I, so. I
0: think there's a reason the... Uh the traditional forest of controls of the late seventies and early eighties kind of mostly faded away.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Uh, How many,
0: how many switches do you need?
3: (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, but again, you'd be surprised. I mean, there's guys out there who want it and, and like it and, I guess as long as they keep placing orders, I'll keep building them. But I I'm I'm kind of kicking myself in the butt for, for ever doing that electronic scheme. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well,
0: you know, you 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 made a you made a name for yourself with the thing, and yeah. Uh, <laughs> there you I, go. I don't know. Would you Would you be satisfied being the guy who just cranked out double cut P ninety in the bridge position and only get guitars day in day out? Like you, no. it seems like you would get bored. <laughs>
3: Yeah, and and that's honestly one of the biggest reasons why I, in 2014 I decided to just focus on my own stuff. There there are so many incredible guitar builders right now. It's like we're we're in a new golden age, and there are some Absolutely some guys. Absolutely, we are. Yeah. Yeah, there are guys who who make an incredible tally, an incredible strat, and and I just don't wanna I don't wanna compete with that because I'm they they've they're they're incredible builders at what they do, and I just feel like my time is better spent on, on something that's just uniquely my own. And that's not to belittle what they do, because they are probably going to be making a much better guitar with those than I am. So, um, but yeah, that's why I kind of decided to focus just on my own stuff. So right,
0: that's cool, man. I, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, you know, there's. There, I I still want a Nash Telly. I still want one of your guitars. Yeah, I want. <laughs> Uh, I want a lot more than I'll ever be able to buy. I'll say that much. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So, do you have a favorite body style out of the ones you're making right now? Oh man,
3: um, that is a good question. Uh, so, I really enjoy the kadosh. The kadosh is one of the newer body styles. I actually posted it uh, on Instagram let's see back on January 8th that's got uh, for Formica um, top and I haven't even oh, gotten that, that one has
2: been very cool yeah been...
3: yeah and I haven't even gotten that onto the website yet. so there, you know, there's when you, actually when
2: you said it I'm like I don't see it in the website I don't yeah. know what you're
3: talking about
2: oh yeah yeah that is amazing
3: <laughs> yeah so th- I, I actually have like five or six models that haven't even made their way onto the website yet um I I keep trying every single batch. I try to come up with a new design. Um,
0: yeah. Cause you don't have your, your wire on there yet either.
3: Yeah. I, I don't have any of that stuff on there and I, I'm getting back. am getting behind. Um, <laughs> Can I yeah. just take
0: a moment to just praise you for naming your guitars, mm. actual names.
1: <laughs> oh, I, I
0: swear to Bacoima. If I see another <laughs> blah 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 W two hundred X, like that's just boring. I, give <laughs> I me agree. a proper name. I love you, Ibanez. RG seven twenty DX three does not do it for me. I, no. Give me, give me an Iceman. Man. Give me a Space yeah. Wizard. I don't care. Just
2: yeah. <laughs> that's that's yeah. the name of your pedal. The what? Space Wizard. Space <laughs> Wizard. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, 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 I love that you actually name these things. And the names, uh, they sound biblical to me. Are they biblical in some way? or?
3: Yeah, so most of them, well, all of them, well, except for one, doxas is, is actually uh, Greek. But most of them are actually ancient Hebrew. Um, but they're all, they have some kind of special significance behind the name. So like bara actually means to shape or create. And so to me, it's like I, I name the guitar because I want it to be a tool that helps people shape or create something of meaning and significance to them. Just as I have poured my time into helping create something that will that has been my own shape and my own creation, I want to be a form of inspiration for them. So every guitar has a. Has a name behind it that has some personal significance to me that hopefully can hold significance for them. And I know that that's not, it doesn't work for everyone because not everyone's religious. And that's, that's fine. I would say that most of my customers are not religious, but they like the doxa means glory. I mean, who doesn't want a guitar that's glorious? So mm.
0: <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's yeah. rad, man. Uh, yeah. Uh, underappreciated thing these days is people actually naming their guitars.
3: <laughs> that's cool.
0: <laughs> at least, yeah. at least brand wise. I think we all have little nicknames for the instruments in our stables, but
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I think everyone kind of like gives their guitars, just like my wife names our cars. I think a lot of people end up naming their guitars. So yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. We name our vehicle and our, and our, I have named all my guitars as well.
2: I actually only this, named ever one guitar. Really? Yeah. What one? Uh, my pan. Pan? No, I. No, I call it Penny. Oh, you call it Penny? Okay. Because I got it for pennies on the dollar. Uh, get it? Okay. Yeah. Penny. Not bad. Penny the pan. Anyways. I get it. Um. Yeah. I don't know. I never named anything else. It was always like my custom guitar because that's my custom guitar. Or. The fire guitar got called the fire guitar because it was in the factory when the factory burned down. <laughs> like, that doesn't, <laughs> you know, it didn't, I don't know, was never that, thing. I only mm-hmm. ever named one car. The the ones that get names from me are the
0: ones that stick around. The special ones, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. The ones that uh, don't get names may or may not <clears throat> remove themselves from my possession someday.
1: Yeah.
2: I should probably name my Aria then.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe,
2: yeah, I don't know. Yeah that's why that one's going to stick around. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: My brain just farted, man. I know. I could hear it from here. You could see it. uh, (laughs) The light just dropped from my eyes. I had a thing I was going (laughs) to say.
2: Not the first time. I recognized it right away. I wasn't going to say anything. (laughs) You say something smart, okay? Let me just recover. (laughs) Oh, man. So, um... What led you into the the German cut or the what do you call that German carve? Because you do uh, that German on curve, quite yeah. a few. Um, and mm-hmm. It looks super sharp, um, but it's not something that I have I've noticed was really common on a lot of guitars.
3: Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I think that is part of it. Is you don't see it a whole lot. Um, some of my favorite guitars, like the Spectrums that I just mentioned, uh, both the own and the Tysco those have some really interesting carve work. That's kind of German carve, kind of not. Um, and of course, you know, there, a lot of the German brands featured similar things. Uh, so I think aesthetically, for sure, I was I was drawn to those companies ahead of time. But then the other side of it was when I jumped into building guitars uh, in 2011, I, I almost had zero... Woodworking knowledge, like I I really was starting from scratch. Um, And so I I did a lot of online tutorials. I kind of hit up my friends who, who had experience. And a lot of my friends had like more cabinetry woodworking background. And so as I was like buying my first uh, router bits and hand tools, I was buying tools that actually were more for cabinetry. Than they were for guitar building but i didn't quite understand all of that at that point um and one of the most common you know cabinetry bits or uh, molding like floor molding bits is a cove bit um and a cove bit when used on like thick stock like a guitar body a cove bit actually gives you exactly that german curve hmm. um and what was funny is as i was learning how to use these tools You know, 10 years ago, it kind of clicked for me that, like, as I was was doing it, I was like, man, this would look awesome on a guitar. And, in fact, some of the carves, like, if you look on most of the Hesed's or the Doxa's and Barra's, they have, like, this ledge. It's like a roundover and then, like, a little step, almost. Um, And to my knowledge, I, I don't know if there's any other guitar builder out there doing that particular carve but I came upon that carve by happenstance only because I was getting to learn like my, my tools for like cabinetry. (laughs) And I was like, Hey, that would look really cool in a guitar. And I tried it out uh, as I was learning it all. And it just kind of clicked. Um, So I I would love to say that it came about because of really intentional design, but it it really was uh, just truly getting to know my my tools.
0: <laughs> well, here you here you first folks. Walsh guitars totally fluke success. <laughs> yeah <laughs> total fraud. Yeah.
3: <laughs> no That's way. probably ultra. Oh, yeah. no, no way. Come I'm
2: on. supposed to lean into yeah, that. No way. <laughs> <laughs> um I think uh given that it it's a it, it may be um not it may be not intentional at first, but you're running with it, man, and it, it is definitely hitting on all cylinders. I really, I really think that um, it's just unique enough to be have because you, know, you don't have just one. It's there are mm-hmm. several different styles of that German carver, if if that's what we're calling it. Um, I don't know one thing from the next. So, <laughs> um, but if that's the you know you have a a lot of different profiles of that, and and they they play well on each of the shapes you make.
3: That's good. Yeah, thank you. Man,
0: you're really like you're really combining a lot of details here. You're 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 all over the map with the uh, hardware that you use. You're all over the place with uh, with being very detail orientated. You know, countersinking your your neck plates. Um, mm-hmm. is I love not that. Not a common thing. Love it.
3: <laughs> but so
0: classy. Very classy. Yeah.
3: Well, and and again, that came about as a as a custom order, and it was one of those things that I just loved it so much. And I probably actually wouldn't have thought of it, but someone asked for it. Um, I think the reason why people don't see it a lot, though, is it is a pain. Mm. It's it's a lot of work. Um, and then as soon as you start laying down lacquer, uh, you know, things can start to pool up in places you don't want them pooling up. And, and of course, when you have, like, a little uh, recessed area, it's going to want to go there. Um, and so you have to be real careful. Um, but, yeah, little things like that, it's it's a hard market to stand out in. And so little things end up making the biggest difference, honestly.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm fully That's behind that.
2: Absolutely, me too.
0: I don't know why, but I also have this strange fascination with, like, neck joints on guitars. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. If a guy or, or a builder, I should say, if a builder makes a neck joint look incredibly sexy, mm-hmm. that really gets me going. Easy there. Well, just (laughs) because that that to me says they're paying attention to everything. Yeah. You know, we're, I'm going to lump us all into one category here a little bit, paint us all with one brush. Uh, We're a bit superficial on a whole, us guitars. And as long as a guitar looks cool, maybe we'll tolerate an obnoxious neck joint. Mm. Cough, yeah. Fender Esquire. (laughs) but at the same time you know we want changes to be familiar Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. and so doing little things like countersinking the neck plate make something not sexy sexy but it's still familiar enough looking yeah yeah (laughs) yeah well yeah you wouldn't even have
2: noticed it honestly i didn't notice it at first until i was looking i think it was the doxa that i was looking at and it's like that's sunken in. You know, it didn't, yeah. it didn't like, it's like you say, familiar enough, but it, it blends in and looks familiar. But when you really pay attention, um, that's when all the little, the tiny little detail work that you do kind of really stands out. Cause it's like, Oh wow. Look at all the things I'm missing by, by skimming over too quickly, you really need to focus on and see the things that are amazing that are, that really yeah. make them even more amazing.
0: And I love that you're, you're, you're using stuff like you'll use Schroeder hardware on one build. You'll use other, somebody else's on another, like you're not, you're not loyal to one thing and you're, and I would guess it's either due to custom orders or aesthetics of, of your own um, mm-hmm. inner vision, but uh, it it really, by doing that, you're you're creating this uh, opportunity for each guitar to look unique with uh, yeah, with different hardware.
3: Yeah, and that's I mean that's really exactly it because it is either the choice of the person who placed the custom order, or it's because you do want. I mean, every guitar sounds different. Every guitar has a different tap tone and and weight and personality and and even when it comes down to the aesthetic choice of paint and and hardware um i mean like you you sometimes people forget what a dramatic difference knobs make you know
1: Mm -hmm. um
3: and and knobs can totally tie a guitar together or it can kind of break it up a bit same with pick guards um and especially when it comes to hardware i mean hardware is not just an aesthetic choice it's a tone choice it's uh, a resonance choice um and so yeah i i feel like there there has to be a lot of intention when it comes down to especially hardware I, I think when it comes down to knobs that's really more of a a personal preference um but i'm at a point right now where i'm actually working with a a new hardware guy and we're actually coming up with my own original hardware
1: oh that's um, awesome
3: to, to, again, kind of emphasize what you guys are saying is to highlight the personality of, of the guitars. Um, you know, I mean, like, you're talking about neck joints. Um, back in 2016, I sold it now, but in 2016, I bought an airline town and country from the 1960s.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And cool I don't know if guitar, you're familiar
0: with... Very often James. Yeah.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, and this is like a single pickup, you know. I mean... The, I don't know if you guys are familiar, Paul Roney and Roney Guitars. He used to work with Cowher Guitars in Sacramento. And I think Roney is now in like the Portland area. Um, but Paul Roney would would build these airline-inspired uh, guitars. And one of the coolest things about those guitars is the neck joint. I mean, it's a single bolt, just this big, fat, round bolt. Um, and it's just the coolest, coolest thing ever. And so I'm, I'm with you guys. That stuff is, is really, is really, really inspiring. And obviously, that stuff is not by happenstance. It's by intentional choice. Mm. You know,
0: I, I'm not the hugest. Um, I'm not super into Taylor guitars. Mm-hmm. But I got it. like I love, I love their company, like culture. Yeah. You know, I love the fact that. Uh, they recently just like literally gave the entire company to the employees. That blew my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the fact that they've got sustainably planted forests all over the world to keep their wood sources secure while also um, giving them, you know, kind of giving back to the environment. Uh, but I never glommed on other models and stuff. They just never, I don't know, mm-hmm. as of yet anyway. Uh, and when they started doing the electric guitar market real hard, um, 10 12 years ago uh they broke out with the solid body stuff they had the t5 stuff and um the one thing they did that i really really was super into was that like giant hex bolt <laughs>
1: neck joint mm-hmm.
0: or it was just like yeah i'm i'm super into that an allen one big old allen key just boom neck bolted on there yeah uh I, I thought that was pretty cool. So I, I'm with you, man. I, I like that. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm also trying to look up, uh, uh, your Roni guitars. Is it?
3: Yeah. Roni. So he, I'm not sure if you're going to find him on Instagram anymore. Cause he actually had to stop building, uh, and I'm not positive. There are all the reasons why, but Paul Roney is a, a really awesome dude. And like I said, he shared a workspace with uh, Cower Guitars, who's out of Sacramento. Um, But yeah, if if you can find his stuff, it's R-H-O-N-E-Y.
0: R-H-O-N-E-Y, okay.
2: I knew that. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing (laughs) going to tell you how I was spelling it. (laughs) Oh, yeah.
3: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, so if you search, or you can search the hashtag, Rony Guitars. Um, and his stuff is just, it's super killer.
2: We'll have to dive into that. Yes, we will. <laughs> <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. Stop I'm, distracting us I'm, too much. When can... We're supposed to be talking to you. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm leaving that, that tab behind. I can't, I can't yeah, live that's... on that one. That's cool. <laughs> um, yeah.
0: This is very airline... Inspired stuff, though. Ow.
2: Yeah, I'm sorry, man. What do you want from me? <laughs> You're like a
0: <laughs> <big> squirrel. That's <laughs> <laughs> my fault. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: no, he he doesn't need any help. Uh, it's true. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so you you work with tons of different pickup people. You work with tons of different mm-hmm. hardware people. You're starting to develop your own hardware. Are you going to develop your own pickups?
3: You know, I have thought about it um, because pickups are not nearly as, as, uh, as difficult as they may seem on the surface. Um, but the, the thing is I've, I've created such good partnerships, especially with uh, Gemini and McNelly, uh, McNally um, that they, they have just been, awesome to work with and so it's kind of that fine line between can i do it myself and can i or would i rather support guys who i truly appreciate i consider uh i i I consider them like a part of my company in a way because they have helped create a sound and an aesthetic for my guitars um and while i probably could replicate some of that i just Yeah. I I don't know if I could replace them. Um, And there, there is a certain part of it like that. that Obviously a lot of guitar companies wind their own pickups and there's nothing wrong with that. But I do think there is a resell ability to a guitar when it's carrying a pickup that you just know is a hundred percent quality and, It it almost adds some, at times, it can add legitimacy to your brand. Yeah, Um, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Using
2: a a reputable person like, well, you said, you know, McNally, for example. Everybody mm -hmm. knows how great those pickups are. Because they're Canadian. Yeah, I know, I know. Well, okay, but counterpoint. Mm. Oh, Good
0: everybody's got to recognize your quality by now because every other aspect that you're doing yourself, which is the bulk of the work mm-hmm.
3: is absolutely killer. Yeah. Well, and I, I appreciate that. It's, it's funny though, because it's like, uh, it's, I, I am known within a, a very small seat community, but when it, when it comes to the, the large mass of guitar players out there, I'm, I'm still very, very small, small name company. And so there, there is a bit of like, I mean, Tim McNally is an awesome guy. Rob Banta is an awesome guy at Gemini. And if I can attach myself to the esteemed work of other people, uh, not only is my, my, my guitar better for it, but, you know, hopefully there there's this uh, this co-support that goes on. And, and there is a lot of that in the, the seat community. And so there's almost like kind of like a safety in numbers sort of thing that happens. Well, that makes sense. Absolutely. I yeah. That.
0: I also love the fact I, like I, I would love to see more brands working together and doing cool stuff. Like I, you know, the one thing Fano gave me back when I kind of caught wind of their vision, um, when Dennis was still running the brand, obviously, um, was uh, what would have happened if those giant companies had worked together instead of, you know, the, the, the socialist in me comes alive and goes, what if we all work together instead of competing? And, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, I think that we could have, could have had some really cool stuff. And, uh, so I love, I love this collaborative approach and, uh, I really dig it when people like cower and Prisma get together and like do these like limited runs Mm -hmm. of
1: like
0: five guitars and yeah, I'd love to see more stuff like that
3: yeah well i it's probably premature but it's funny because uh i've been talking with beatronics about trying to come up with like a collaborative guitar that could actually house like one of my guitars could house beatronics pedals in it um oh man and then like we're 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 talking at one point about possibly well originally we're talking about debuting it at uh at this year's NAM, that's not gonna happen, obviously. But um so we've talked now for probably two or three years. He actually owns the prototype Nesher. Um, and so we've just been spitballing all sorts of different ways that we could collaborate. I've done the same thing talking with with Matthews effects. Rick Matthews is actually he's a local here in the Tri-Cities where I live. Yeah and so yeah so him and I have talked about hey how could we collaborate? Nothing's come of that yet either, but uh, I mean, right, man, so I would I would love to do that kind of thing.
0: You should, and uh, I should start buying you wine. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny that you came full circle back to that oh, when man. I did.
2: Yeah, was definitely like, okay, now how do I do this? <laughs> <laughs> if
3: nothing else comes to this conversation, I'm okay with just the one. That's.
0: <laughs> I'm just trying to get myself a guitar here, all right? <laughs> uh-
2: <laughs> Shameless. Uh, well, you- <laughs>
0: listen, Casper, it, you you've seen my wife. You know, I chase things that are way out of my league sometimes.
1: Mm. <laughs> The fact that you (laughs) caught that
0: one is beyond me, man. It's beyond me too, man. Any minute she's going to wake up and like roll over and just be like, I've made a horrible mistake and I'm off to marry somebody rich and awesome. And, uh, I'll accept that fate when it happens. (laughs) But in the meantime, you got to sometimes just take the big swing. Mm. So, you know, yeah, I'll be shameless. (laughs) start, Start bringing some Canadian wine to, uh, to uh, I just forgot exactly what city you're in. <laughs> <laughs> the you know, Richland, Richland area. Richland, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yakima. I don't know. Why I thought Yakima, but nothing's in Yakima, Washington. Where's that? Yeah, Yakima
3: is like yeah. it's the lower valley. It's uh, yeah, it's a dark, shadowy place that Simba was told not to go to. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm going to get a bunch of, like, yeah. I'm going to find the, like, 13 <laughs> guitarists in the Yakima. They're all exactly <laughs> 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 Hey, jerk face, I live there. <laughs> uh, that's <true>. great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, I'm also realizing that you live in the same wine valley that we do. <laughs> Maybe so our, you our wine's the same. Yeah. <laughs> 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 How'd you like some fine Albertan... Beer? No, no,
2: a bird of <laughs> premium, man. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking lucky, yeah. lucky beer. Oh, lucky. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I think
0: this dude, too. 36 cans to the $2 case. <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh, that's amazing. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not amazing. It's not amazing. <laughs> you get what you pay for.
0: <laughs> you know how when people are sickly, they get, like, jaundice? <laughs> it's like somebody canned that. <laughs>
3: Can jaundice, <laughs> excellent. That's yeah. what
2: lucky beer is. Um, well, they 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 dilute it down with ditch water first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you gotta fill up 36 cans. Yeah, just... jaundice doesn't go that far. Jaundice. Yeah,
0: that's <laughs> <They're nasty. laughs> so bad. Yeah, there goes yeah. All That sweet, sweet lucky beer
2: advertisement. Yeah, yeah, there. that's there it goes. <laughs> Sponsorship oh, <sorry>. opportunity gone. <laughs> So, man,
0: I dude, Beatronics is like, boy, if there's a brand that has all their stuff together, it's Beatronics. Oh man,
3: yeah, that and would, their brand, their branding is amazing,
0: right? <laughs> They're so good. I remember uh seeing an interview with um Robert Keeley mm-hmm. and uh the first NAM that when Beatronics really kind of launched themselves, and he was like, I was wandering around, and all of a sudden this dude runs past me in a bee costume. And I was wandering around <laughs> some more, and then another guy runs past me in a bee costume. And everywhere I look, there's people in bee costumes handing out honeycomb-shaped cards and going Bzz! before they run. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's like, then I get to their booth, and it looks amazing. And there's bees everywhere, and yeah, like it, he's. It was like they just had the total package. Their circuit designs were on point. Their branding was on point. Their pricing—they just knew everything right out the gate and I, who yeah.
3: does that <laughs> Yeah. And and their aesthetic is just is killer. Yeah.
0: Right? Yeah. I man, yeah. I I would I haven't used this phrase in a long time and Casper really called me out on it and I'm just gonna go for it here. I would drop kick a baby <laughs> into a canyon <laughs> for one
1: of
2: your guitars <laughs> with
1: the V circuit
0: inside I'm it that so sounds happy
2: fantastic. After. I'm so uh, happy after that was that's an old one that's a year ago now since you told somebody you would drop kick a baby that's great
0: oh man well it's not like i'm gonna get hate mail from the baby
3: <laughs> <laughs> yep that's great oh
2: i think i got the same headache when you said it the first time <laughs>
0: i'm sorry uh, no, <laughs> no babies were harmed in really? making this joke uh,
3: oh we got a we got a pupper hello pupper. yeah my dog went crazy must mean my my daughter's probably about to butt in just a second
0: no that's all good yeah, you,
3: you know the funny thing about Btronics too is that uh that their owner he's actually brazilian and him and i ended up connecting because my my middle brother is actually adopted from brazil and so it was cool like when him and i were able to connect at the nam show a few years ago uh we were just able to connect on this this like kind of cultural level I, i'm not brazilian personally but it's just cool to connect on this cultural level of like yeah like i got family that's brazilian and so they're they're super good people just oh, that's really awesome I'm a good guys team, all around yeah. nice
0: that's really neat. what yeah. are the odds of that hey yeah <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah, see, he's just a good guy and can't say good enough things about Beatronics,
0: so. Right on. Yeah, we are hope, uh, he's definitely one of those people, like, I hope to to squeeze him into, you know, the show sometime. Our super
2: and, busy schedule. Well, wow, squeeze <laughs> is the wrong word. What I mean is, like,
0: uh, yeah. convince. Uh, Coerce. Co- yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bribe, even. Trick. <laughs> Confuse him into doing the show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just tell them, tell them it's an interview with Premier Guitar and it's ha <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Just
3: send that's them awesome. some Okanagan wine to get- that's
0: the oh that's my new strategy for everything, hey, my really. friend. That's, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: so. that's great.
0: <laughs> so where do people best find you? Like what's the best way to get a hold of you if they uh they have some questions or or wanna order one of these uh yeah. fine guitars?
3: Yeah, well, um, so my email is walshguitars at yahoo.com. Uh, I can also be contacted through my website, which is just walshguitars.com, uh, which now you know is not very up-to-date with all my <laughs> all my models of guitars. Um, but then I, I respond really quickly through Instagram as well. And Instagram and Facebook, I, I seem to be doing most of my communication with, with interested people or... Uh, just general Q and A uh, through either of those two portals, so that's cool as well.
1: But
0: oh, sweet. yeah, you know that's not uncommon. Our our main uh, our main source of communication with people is definitely Instagram. That's how I book almost every mm-hmm. interview we have on the show is, is through Instagram. Well, yeah, it seems to be a very common thing. So, getting back to your finishing, yeah, you you learn to do automotive finishing and stuff, which I imagine. Um, I've never done automotive finishing. I was a commercial painter and a housing painter and stuff for for years and years Mm -hmm. and years. Did did a lot of fine wood finishing and stuff. Um, But automotive painting has a lot more applications to guitar work. Yeah. So I imagine that's where you learn to do anything from solid colors to any kind of metallic, any kind of metal flake, the the fine Mm -hmm. striping, fine line work. That's all the automotive world. Now let's take all of that and uh, how did you learn to age guitars in a way that looked cool and believable and didn't Mm -hmm. look like some dude in the garage with uh, a hammer?
3: Yeah. Yeah. So when I first learned the automotive finish, like automotive guys don't use nitrocellulose. Um, I mean, they're, they're all using like polyurethane or acrylic paints and stuff like that. Um, And obviously those paints don't age well. So, but but the basics of a fine line work, the basics of general application and and spray gun maintenance, all that kind of stuff, it, it translates for the most part. So, um, I, I didn't want to, to use polyurethane or or acrylic for guitars, um, and I knew that I wanted to try to go the route of nitrocellulose, um, but. As far as like my 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 paints experience, I had always bought my my paints from TCP Global, which is kind of like a, it's it's like the the pretty much like the biggest headquarters for for automotive paints. Um, and it's funny enough, I had actually seen uh, Saul Cole post something about TCP Global and getting some of his nitrocellulose paint from them and i'd also heard uh doug cower talk a little bit about tcp global and getting uh instrument paint from them and so i had already had this experience of using their their polyurethane and and acrylic so i reached out to them and sure enough they had nitro versions of all of their automotive colors uh which made me super excited and so i had to kind of relearn how to work with at least nitro because nitro is a very, very different paint than the other ones. Uh, but what I quickly learned is at the time I was spraying in a space that didn't have <laughs> any kind of temp- temperature control. Like it was, it was a nice clean space, um, but I didn't have any temperature control at the time. Mm. And this was, this was shortly after moving to Washington and I've been here for six years. Um, And so I I quickly learned that, like, when I don't have temperature control, the the nitro weather checks very quickly um, because I I had specifically ordered low uh, plasticizer finish. So there's not a lot of solids, not a lot of plastics added into the nitro. And so once I figured out that, like, with this really quick heating and, and cooling process, I could create weather checking, I've kind of developed um a synthesized version of that uh for lacquer. Um and again it's just uh you're trying to replicate a quick heat and quick cooling and as soon as you're able to to do that you accomplish that weather checking. So
0: oh, you're taking it a step further though. Like I'm I'm looking at uh some of the stuff you've put out there and you've got like <clears throat> You've got chipping and stuff. You've got some like mm-hmm. some age wear and tear kind of spots on the guitar that look like it's been mm-hmm. um, lovingly played and used.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah,
0: that's
2: more of a I, fine art, man. Like yeah. honestly,
3: yeah. Well, I I feel like you kind of said this earlier. There are some people. It's a fine line between, between trying to like. Uh, <laughs> respect the art that other people are doing and 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 also be realistic so so everything i'm about to say take it with a grain of salt and grace but like there are some guys who are who are building that like you look at the hardware and it's just like it's just super dirty looking it's like so tarnished to the point where like i mean i have a fairly large vintage guitar collection and i can tell you that and, and most of them are players guitars they're not like collector style instruments and i can just tell you that none of the hardware looks like that There, there's like a difference between like well-loved hardware and like nasty grimy and so <laughs> and so like i i kind of when when i'm gonna give someone a brand new guitar like the screws shouldn't be like stripped out or like so grimy that like if they were to twist at it it's gonna it's gonna strip you know same with the springs. There's certain things that you just probably shouldn't like spend a lot of time aging. Yeah, I, I um, gotta
0: admit, I was confused by I've seen some builders, and I'm not going to name any names. Um, yeah, uh, but I've seen builders who did like really, really strong rusting and stuff like mm-hmm. that on threaded parts of their hardware and and screw heads and stuff, and it's just like, yeah, that is,
2: uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> it kind of yeah. seems like a nightmare. In the waiting. No, it is. Like, like for the next totally time you need is. to work yeah. on it.
0: The, the last thing you want on your $3,500, $4,000, you know, boutique mm-hmm. guitar is to not be able to intonate it and have to replace it with a Schroeder bridge or something
3: like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, for sure. And and what, what they're not thinking about too is that a lot of these guys are aging their parts of like hydrochloric acid or there's some other little things like that. And, and they, they do the job, they do the job quick simply wiping that stuff down it does not stop the aging process. It just slows it down. Mm-hmm. And so well, once you've started that, like, because that's, it's an acid, it's going to continue to eat away at the plating until it gets all the way to the core metal. Um, and you just, yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to put that on someone else to have to care for an instrument that I, oh, that man. I basically See, jacked up. You th- is
0: there? Uh, this would be new news to me. Um I see a lot of overly aged hardware but I I didn't know that some of the stuff was going out there without the acid being neutralized or things like that like it's it's still yeah, active. Yeah, well
3: well so, I mean you would hope so and there are ways that you can do that. But again it's just more time investment like the easy thing would just be like dip the thing in hydrochloric acid wipe it down and then go on to assembly. Um but I mean you equally have to treat it to stop the aging and be very intentional with that and so it it just it kind of makes me nervous when i see that because i'm just like man i've been there i've tried that i really hope you're taking the steps on the other side of the aging process to protect the instrument long term Mm -hmm. um and so that's always my concern as i'm aging like i want to look well loved i want to look like it's old but i also want to function like it's a new guitar um and function in such a way that you're going to be able to get 50 to 60 years out of it. And you don't have to worry about things stripping. And uh, I mean, yeah, e- even little things. I mean, as soon as you start degrading the quality of metal, like the head of a screw could just twist off. And how
2: would it happen? I, mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and most people, most people have, and, and there's like no worse sinking feeling than seeing the, the, th- thread of your screw stuck in the body while the head is, has popped mm-hmm. off
0: somewhere. Yeah. I, I built a guitar for someone, uh, 2011 maybe. Um, and, uh, right. As I was doing assembly, um, it was just a bad screw. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't, mm-hmm. we weren't doing anything age or anything like that. But as I was doing assembly, uh, with, uh, threaded brass inserts, <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Luckily, because that—that's what saved my bacon. Um, yeah, but uh, the screw had just popped right off. It wasn't even turning hard, and with threaded brass inserts, you don't have to crank them hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just got to tighten and just
2: off it came. And that's happened to my aria. It's only got yeah. f- four bolts out of five, because or four screws out of five, because one of them snapped when I was mm-hmm. putting it back together when I reassembled. Yeah, I've
0: I, I mean, I mean, I mean, had mm-hmm. it happened once where it was just like I couldn't get it out, and. Yeah couldn't think of yeah. how, to, how to do it without in any kind of a responsible way. So it was just a, like, well, I'll buy that guy a new body. And I guess I have a body to play with for my own needs. Yeah. Um,
3: yeah. Just, so know. now you, you imagine like that weakened metal and, and like you said, you're, you're doing assembly. Like the, the screw should have been fine. It's just a, a bad screw. But now you like weaken that metal further eroding it and, and that kind of thing so it's just there's too many variables that play it's to, to age a guitar to certain points um and other people like to play with fire i'm just not i'm not one <laughs> of those guys so yeah
0: keep keep you relicing more on the lighter side
3: yeah exactly and it's different like hardware versus paint you know i mean it's like if someone wants a guitar beat up with paint like that's 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 different like that's a preferential thing and I can I can run with that but with hardware I'm a little bit more wary to, to dive too deep into it mm-hmm.
0: yeah and I think that's a very wise approach for sure agreed well um, we're getting long in the tooth on time here but uh, Drew man just can't thank you enough for coming on the show dude it's kind of you're kind of yeah. feeling a little bit of a fanboy uh, fantasy of mine here <laughs> <laughs> Really oh thanks for having me guess. yeah yeah well thanks thanks for coming and uh to our listeners as always we're super grateful for to you for uh listening to the show and uh, we'll see you next week